Welcome to the Managing the Smart Mind podcast with your host, Coach Kramer. Episode 20, Procrastination, Part 1. Hello, smart and probably sometimes procrastinating humans. This week brings you the first episode of a series on a much requested topic, procrastination. It's a topic that's so enmeshed with other things like perfectionism, identity, self-trust, self-regulation and time management. That is going to take at least two episodes, maybe even more, to tease it all apart. And in this first part, I'm going to cover what procrastination is, what actually happens when you procrastinate, when it becomes a problem, whether everyone procrastinates, why smart humans have a higher risk of procrastination, and how to overcome it. And I won't have a lot of time to dive into that last part. So in the second part, in the next part of this series, I'm going to do a deep dive into strategies to overcome procrastination. Um, I'm going to give you a whole series, actually, of how to do that. And I'll show you how to make all the tips much more effective using a three-pronged approach. Oh, my God. I think I've been longing to use that word for a very long time. Three-pronged. So good. But... As always, with a philosopher, first things first. What is procrastination? Well, here's a very simple dictionary definition. It's the action of avoiding or delaying something. And some dictionaries add the action of avoiding or delaying something you don't want to do. Now, I think that definition is somewhat incomplete because when we procrastinate, we don't just sit and do nothing. I mean, that'd be torture, right? <laughs> we just as much torture as doing the thing we're trying to avoid. We actually do something else instead of the thing we are supposed to be doing. Instead of studying for your exam, you may fold laundry. Instead of making sales calls, you take another course on how to sell. Instead of doing yoga, you watch yoga influencers on social media. So the way I like to define procrastination is as follows. It's the act of replacing something you decided to do earlier with something that feels better in the moment. Or in more neurological terms, it's your primitive brain winning over your prefrontal cortex, which is a nice segue into the next question. What happens when you procrastinate? Well, it's actually quite simple. First, you feel an uncomfortable emotion about or around the thing you are supposed to be doing. It may be more than one. For example, you'll feel boredom when you're doing admin. You'll feel frustration when you're dealing with customer service. You'll feel fear or anxiety about doing something new, creating something new, like a new podcast episode, for example. And yes, I still get this every week, even though this is the 21st episode. Amazing. 
And your brain then notices the discomfort and tries to fix it in the easiest possible way, which is by getting you to actually avoid the whole thing. And it will do this by cleverly offering you lots of quote-unquote better, as in easier, alternatives. Instead of making that difficult phone call, it will offer that you really need to clean the kitchen. Instead of going for an early morning run, it will suggest that you go into work early and run in the evening, which then never happens. Instead of writing a LinkedIn article, it will kindly suggest that you read at least two books about the topic first. So this is kind of the battle you're up against. And if you're not prepared, it's actually quite unfair. What your brain is doing is the equivalent of telling a kid, hey, you can tidy this room or look, here's some candy. You could eat that instead. (laughs) What's going to happen, right? The easiest, most rewarding thing in the moment is to eat the candy. So that is what we tend to default to. Now, there's always a little bit of procrastination, I think, in our lives for most of us. But when does it become problematic? First, and I think maybe even most importantly, when you don't get around to doing the things that are important or meaningful to you in the long term. Or in Stephen Covey terms, the stuff that lives in the second quadrant of important but not urgent. And these are actually very important things. They are the things that make you feel fulfilled. For example, getting fit, cleaning out the shed. Yes, this can be very fulfilling. Writing a fantasy novel, climbing the Kilimanjaro, or finally visiting Lego House. And please hold me accountable on this one, dear listeners. It is going to happen in 2023. Now, If you stay stuck in day-to-day urgencies and emergencies, life starts to feel like a meaningless drag. And in a way, it is. So that's where procrastination becomes problematic. A second way in which it can become problematic is when you never give yourself enough time to do projects in a way that aligns with your standards and values. Sure, you get it done. You may even tell yourself that you work really well under pressure. And you may get told that your work is amazing because, hey, you're very smart. You're smart enough to fabricate something not too shabby, even in a very limited amount of time. But in the long run, this will leave you deeply unfulfilled because you're not doing your best work. And then you start to question what the point is if your 30% is always good enough, right? So this sort of leads you in a cycle of wondering why you even bother and also never finding out what you can do, right? Like what amazing work you you can create because you never have to dig that deep because you never have the time. Third, procrastination, so fun, can send you into a negative spiral of anxiety, self-hatred and eventually depression. Now here's how that works. Your procrastination causes you stress, which then makes you more prone to unhealthy habits and bad sleep patterns. And then this only increases your anxiety, makes it harder to think well and function well. Again, increasing your tendency to procrastinate, leading to even more stress, etc., etc. Right, you've got it. So it's really something you don't want to leave unchecked. And fourth, 
And this happens to a lot of people um, with, for example, ADHD brains. Procrastination can get you into real trouble if it interferes with your ability to deal with the real world. For example, with things like opening mail, shipping projects on time, etc., etc. Right? If you have a tendency to avoid doing that, the bills can pile up, and then you know the late fees can pile up, and people get into real trouble. With this. So a little procrastination is human, but if you recognize any of the above, you want to get to work to keep it in check. Now, does every, everyone procrastinate? No. No, <laughs> amazingly. <laughs> but most people do in at least some areas of their lives. It could be health, it could be chores, work, admin. There is usually something people hate to do and try to get out of. So if you are a procrastinator, and I'm assuming you're, you are if you're still listening to this, then you're definitely not alone. That said, there are people on the other side of the procrastination spectrum who get so anxious by postponing tasks that procrastinating would cause more discomfort. So for them, procrastinating on something isn't the easy way out, isn't the candy, right, you're giving to the child. It's actually terrifying which may sound nice to you if you're a professional procrastinator, but like any extreme, this isn't great either. And you may even fall into both categories. So there may be areas in your life where you're terrified of not doing the thing more than doing the thing. And there may be other areas in your life where you procrastinate as much as you, you know, feel comfortable with. So it's usually not very black and white. And yes, there are those very rare people who simply experience less discomfort than most of us when tackling boring or challenging tasks, they just got very lucky. But as said, they're quite rare. Now, why are smart humans more prone to procrastination? Well, first of all, they are incredibly clever, incredibly good at making up reasonably sounding excuses. And especially the I need to study more, or I need to learn more about this card is very often played. And it seems so noble and wholesome to want to learn more. It's not like you're getting drunk instead of getting to work. So this is a great way smart people con themselves into procrastination, right? They're so good at spinning stories that sound very reasonable and productive and constructive, but it really just is avoiding the thing they don't want to do. Another reason why smart people tend to procrastinate more than average is perfectionism. Now, if you grew up being praised for your achievements, for being so smart, your brain may have started equating your identity with what you achieve in life, which is not fun at all. And perfectionism is a misguided strategy to kind of keep that identity intact, right? You're like, oh, I'm only good if I do amazing things. So I'll have to keep doing amazing things. I'll get into depth about this in a later podcast. But suffice to know that perfectionism protects you from the pain you associate with not succeeding some, at something and then kind of losing your identity as being smart or amazing. Also, if you're very good at learning, you may never have actually learned how to do hard things because everything has always come very easy to you. And you never learned how to sit with the hard feelings that come up when even your smart brain <laughs> doesn't make it easy to do the thing you need 
to do. This is definitely something that I have had to learn later in life because school and even university was so relatively easy for me um, or I just filled everything. I tried several degrees, not just philosophy, that, yeah, I just never got to learn how to do the hard things that I can't sort of bypass with my smart mind. Then there is the massive amount of ideas smart people tend to have. I mean, you could be doing a thousand things right now, many of which would be equally amazing. So why not do those instead, or at least one of those? And there's also your ability to see a thousand ways to make things better, to improve them. Deep down inside, you may know that once you've done the thing, you'll also see all the ways in which you could have done a better job, which is not very appealing, right? It's not a great incentive to get started. I have to say, I have this so bad with the podcast, right? As soon as I finish recording, I'll think of 10 new things I could have said or, you know, said better. Um, and if I'd give in to that, I'd never do a podcast. And here we are, episode 21, if I count the bonus episode and people in 60 countries listening. So that is definitely something you want to tame. And last, but definitely not least, is the inability to estimate how long something is going to take. Now, most smart humans do things at non-average speeds, right? We Something we just do so much faster than other people, which is fun, but it also makes it hard to predict how long a project will take us, especially if in addition you're blessed with for example, an ADHD brain, right? You have a, just a very different experience of time, I can tell you. <laughs> so this, I have no idea how long this is going to take in itself can be enough to create a kind of discomfort in your brain causing you to procrastinate. So for smart people, procrastination tends to show up much more and it's much more important to manage it. So how do we do that? We are now at the part you've probably been waiting for, fixing procrastination. You know what it is. Taking an unplanned action to avoid a feeling in the moment. So how do you stop it? Do you just willpower your way through? Does a lot of procrastination mean you're weak or lazy? No. And no. Willpower doesn't work and you're not lazy. Willpower is not a sustainable solution, as in it will deplete your energy stores if you have to rely on it again and again. So what is sustainable? Learning how to manage your emotions and your mind. That is the best investment ever, not just, by the way, against procrastination. So as said before, you want to come at the procrastination beast from three different angles, from the angle of thoughts, from feelings, and from the angle of behavior. And most advice in the procrastination realm usually focuses on behavior, right? There's lots of tips to help you create conditions to avoid procrastination, like kill all distractions in your work environment, which is, you know, sound advice, but it completely bypasses what's going on in your mind and body. It addresses the symptoms and not the main cause. So next week, in the second part of this series, I'm going to discuss at length what you can do in all these different areas, behaviors, thoughts, and feelings, to help you reduce your procrastination to a mildly tolerable level. Yes, we're not going for perfection here, you're still human. But 
In the meantime, here's what I want you to do. Start noticing how you procrastinate. That makes it much easier to catch it. What are your favorite modi procrastinandi? Now, for example, I tend to procrastinate with my phone, my inbox, my plants, social media, sorting things and checking the latest Lego prices. So if I'm doing any of these, I want to check in with myself to see if I'm actively avoiding doing something else. And I love to do that sooner rather than later because there's all these rabbit holes you can get sucked into. And before you know it, you're like, oh, my God, it's 45 minutes after the time I was supposed to be starting work on my podcast. Okay, so then once you've identified your favorite, quote unquote, favorite Um, modes of procrastination, you're ready for the next step. I want you to start noticing what feelings you're trying to avoid. And this, by the way, is why I don't want you to start by killing all distractions and using other how-tos, right? Because then you'll never get to the core of what's going on. Plus, we don't always control our environment. So you don't want to make yourself dependent on that. Now, I know I tend to grab my phone whenever I'm doing something hard and hit a bump. When I'm writing, for example, and I have no idea what to write next. When I check in with myself, I've noticed that in those moments, I'm trying to get away from the feeling of insecurity, of not knowing, which I hate. I want to know what I'm doing and feel certain. Well, at least my perfectionism does. So that's good to know. I also tend to want to eat or drink something when I get bored. This tends to show up when I'm working on something very repetitive or unchallenging, like dealing with bureaucratic stuff. So when I head for the kitchen without being hungry or thirsty, I know I'm trying to avoid the feeling of boredom. And when I want to play games on my iPad, I'm usually avoiding making a decision because making decisions, I've noticed, is often for me associated with a feeling of loss, of of losing all the things I'm not going to have time to do. And it can also cause anxiety. Is this the right decision? So if I'm not managing my mind, before I know it, I'll have been playing Hearthstone for half an hour and still not have made a decision. So I want you to get clear on this. Over the next seven days, I want you to get intimate with your own procrastination patterns. What do they look like for you? And what are the corresponding feelings you're trying to get away from? Observe yourself over the next week and bring your results to the next episode when we'll get to work on overcoming procrastination. Until then, have an amazing week. Bye-bye. smart human, probably listening to this podcast because you want to learn how to manage that smart mind of yours. And the first step is actually getting your bearings, doing a little brain audit. And I have the perfect tool for that, the Mapping Your Unique Brain Workbook. And you can actually download it for free at www.coachkramer.com. 
coachkramer.org slash brain map. So that's coachkramer.org slash brain map. Go check it out and play with it and take your first step to managing your smart mind. Mm-hmm.